0: Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Some people call me DJ Q Ward. Some people call me Q Ward. My mother calls me Q Dirty. I won't get into that. But she named me Quinton. And because a lot of people don't like pronouncing the O in my name, I just go by Q. My last name's Ward. Now you see where my whole name thing came from. Yes, indeed. And we are back up in you one more again. Uh, feeling refreshed. No, you know uh this is it's a tough job so we, we do have to take some time and and regroup and very very necessary yeah yeah
1: and so um we are going to talk about some important stuff today some some goings on in the world and fortunately we have a special guest in the building with us today she goes by the name of Trista Crick from Barstool Sports welcome
2: Thank you for having
1: me. Yes, indeed. And uh, I guess this means we're going to talk about sports
0: stuff. I hope so. Yeah, a lot of There's no one I would rather talk about sports stuff with
1: than the esteemed Miss mm-hmm. Trista Crick. Yeah, now I want to let everyone know I'm not the biggest sports person in the world, but that's why we have experts. So stick around your radios because we do have a lot uh, coming your way uh, in the form of some very heavy names, important names. Um, the least of which is Shakari Richardson um, Gabby Thomas we're also going to talk about Rachel Nichols as well And then of course uh, we have our uh, Baba Our Become a Better Ally segment a little later on in the show And of course we're going to hear from DJ Swirl With our Way Black History Facts So a lot on the way So like I said be sure to stick around your radios But before we get too far away from the happy part of the show the traditionally happy part of the show. Word. Let's go ahead and uh, get into some Ebony Excellence. How you feel about that cue? All I do is win, win,
0: win, no matter what. So Miss Gabby Thomas. I mean, excellence might not be a good enough word, and I'm typically a very articulate young man. But for her I don't really have to be. You no. know, they say she might be the world's fastest epidemiologist. <laughs> So we'll start there, okay. Olympian, Harvard grad, Okay, and Trist, could you give us a little bit of, an, bit of an idea of her area of study?
2: She's a neurobiologist that is getting her master's in epidemiology, infectious disease for folks who aren't well versed in epidemiology and what it means, but I would say she's the elite of the elite of the elite. And
0: I think, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, she might be the second fastest woman in the 200 meters in history. At least the fastest since 1988. Okay. While accomplishing those things that she's done as an academician. Um,
2: Can you imagine having to train as much as an Olympian has to train and then being that elite at something else?
0: I couldn't imagine having to train as much as an Olympian has to train and being even good at anything (laughs) else. Or doing anything (laughs) Or doing anything else. I mean, it's
2: like train, eat, train, eat, sleep. And, and, she,
0: and she figures out how to study okay. At an <laughs> At a scientist level In between all of that Well then
1: We picked the right one for this week That's some ebony excellence for you um, We love to uh, celebrate Positive stories um, And that's about as positive as they come um, Of course we're going to expect Continue to expect great things from her And um, It is A uh, one of, one of the pleasures of doing this show is that we do get to um, discuss things that kind of remind us of what we're capable of and who we are. Because yeah. the bulk of the show often um, has to do with, you know, where we are and how do we overcome. You know, so it's good to know that there's some positive stories out there. And granted, we don't get to spend a lot of time on them. But, you know, every so often when we get to, it really does feel good. So we're lucky this week, though.
0: Why is that? Because the stories kind of intertwine. Yeah, yeah. You know, Gabby being you know our person of excellence, but she's also involved in another story with another person that
1: we've highlighted for being excellent. Okay. Uh, Miss Shakari Richardson, and that's what we're talking about now. So, yeah. so I, I'll be honest. I'm I, I I've kind of read a couple of headlines, but you know the two of you are more familiar with the world of sports. So, from the beginning, what's going on with Shakari Richardson? I'll start with the most important part of her story, the most
0: human part, the the part of the story that everyone will hear and immediately be able to relate to. Mm -hmm. Shakari found out second or third hand from a stranger, more or less, that her biological mother passed away the week leading up to the biggest day of her professional track and field career, which was the Olympic
2: trials in Eugene, Oregon. Shout out to Eugene, uh, my alma mater. Word. Word, I went to school. Shout out to the like Ducks. Um I didn't know that. And shout out to
0: Motor City Track Club. This is a shameless plug. The girls from Detroit just went down there coached by Brandon Giles and were all-Americans and national champions. All right. That's Motor City Track Club from, you know, the Motor, yes indeed, in case that wasn't clear one time.
1: Um but Shakiri she dealt with it the best way that she knew how. Okay, so Shakiri, she had a her, her biological mother passed away, and it was the week that she was going to try out for the Olympics?
0: Yeah, the Olympic trials is a, a track meet okay. where the, the, the best runners in the country come, and based on the results at this meet, we know who's going to represent our country at the Olympics. Okay. okay. All right, go ahead. Uh, she carry I guess the, the skinny, <laughs> was by far the most electric and the fastest- Athlete
2: mm-hmm.
0: at the meet. Yeah, she was the reason I watched it.
1: We talked about her before. On the show. Yes,
0: so. and post race, she was drug tested, and they found, uh, I think it's THC in her sample. Yep. And you know, marijuana is on the banned substance list, which I think is where we kind of have to start the discussion because, as unfair as it may seem, and a lot of people are saying this with no nuance, but the, the rules are rules" thing. Mm-hmm. With no context and no nuance, I don't think that's fair. However, when there are rules that you are aware of and you break them and there's consequences, then there is a discussion to be had. It's not as black and white as people are just
1: being unfair. Okay. Even though there are people that are being unfair. So um, help me to understand. So she knew about these rules? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And And then decided to... To smoke weed, I'm guessing. Correct. Okay, so this reminds me
0: of while dealing with the news that her mother had passed away. That part I think is important
1: to say. So this reminds me of um, Naomi Osaka, Osaka? perhaps because um, she had some. She she didn't want to become overwhelmed by the press and the whatever the interviews after her tennis match and Mm -hmm. whatever place that she was going to go play tennis in. And, um, you know, she cited, you know, that she was doing what she needed to do to protect her mental health. Um, And to me, it sounds like this might have been Mm self-medicating to deal with the loss of her mother. Yes. Okay. And so she went into this eyes wide open. So... Explain to me the part that is unfair. How are people treating her unfairly? I, admittedly, I haven't dug into these layers, and that's why we're having this conversation.
2: I would say that the the main discussion is whether a substance that is legal mm-hmm. in the state of Oregon, which is where Shikari was at the time, okay. whether that should truly be on the banned list, Because the whole point of banning substances is to prevent athletes from getting an advantage Mm -hmm. in a competitive setting. And everybody who's ever smoked knows that you don't get faster by smoking weed. It's not a substance that helps you or what's called performance-enhancing drugs is what they want to ban. Sure. But alcohol is free and clear, not on the banned substance list. But marijuana or weed is is on the banned substance list. So the unfairness component comes from, well, this is legal. The world is changing. Other sports like basketball are not even testing athletes for weed. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, who a new article came out, I think, a few days ago about him blazing a lot. Like pretty much besides playing basketball, all KD does is blaze. Mm. Um, and maybe not even going to be tested for the Olympics at that sport if it's fair for Sha'Carri to be tested for weed at all hmm. when it's legal in the state.
0: Especially because marijuana carries a stigmatism
1: uh,
0: That
2: has a racial component to that it. That's where I was going go to go with
1: it. So, so what I'm trying to do is, and I think maybe you have done it for me, is make a connection between...
2: Race, com- competition, unfairness.
1: So they tested all of the athletes, and mm-hmm. he's the one that came up. You know, yes. And um,
2: so she wouldn't be able to go and and compete for the 100, which she's supposedly the leader to win the whole thing in Tokyo. The favorite to
0: win the gold medal is now not going to be competing at the Olympics at at all. all. Okay. Because of this test.
1: So I'm glad you mentioned that. So I have a quote from her. um, And it's from a tweet. It says, the attention that is on track now and was... Because of very, very few names. So if that's where fan support lay, you can't be mad at that. In other words, she's trying to say that no one would be paying attention to this sport anymore because she's not running in this event.
0: Or at least considerably less people will be paying attention. And that was actually in response to something that Gabby tweeted about. Okay, so tell me about that. And Gabby expressed that she was hurt that... A lot of black people have expressed that they won't be tuning in for the Olympics this year. Now, I'd argue that that's not just related to Shakari, but definitely related. Not not singularly to her, but definitely related to her as well. So that's why she got that response from Shakari.
1: Now, I want to say something. The whole Olympics thing feels like, and, and this is me reaching, and, and I'll, 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 seed the argument, if someone were to make the argument to me, rules are rules, if you do this, then you get this, and if you do that, you get that, you know, and I think that everyone's on the same page, no one's arguing it, that, but it feels to me like the Olympic committee, or the Olympic folks, or club, or whatever, how our Olympics comes together, um, really were not really receptive to black athletes in their present condition, in our present condition, after the year 2020, knowing what it what our challenges are, who we are, who we have to be now. I have to do this radio show now. I used to give away concert tickets. I used to make people listen for trivia and talk about Hollywood gossip, and now I have to do this radio show. They'll bury me. This version of myself. We all have to be different now because we saw what happened when that when that man knelt on George Floyd's neck. It changed the world. Say what you will, but that's what happened, right? So we're all different. And the Olympics were completely tone deaf. And when they says something like, "We won't tolerate any fists," and we won't tolerate any, that's the real reason why I don't care. You know, I don't care anyway, but like I have to follow these stories. But the Olympics, as soon as they said that, well, I'm not paying attention to that because I don't care how fast you can run. You got to be a human a lot longer than you got to run. You get what I'm saying? So for me, it felt like the Olympics from the outset was like, you know what, don't bring none of that blackness over here. And that to me feels like, all right, well, shoot,
2: say less. Let me ask you this, Q. If Sha'Carri looked like Gabby and not like Shakari, how do you think things would be different? Because I think that there is a standard um, of what brandable black athletes look like. And Shakari does not fall into that box right now. Long nails, colorful nails, hair a certain way, Jewelry a certain way, affectation in the way that she speaks a certain way, the way that she moves is is a certain way, where Gabby is an epidemiologist from Harvard. Correct.
0: It's interesting because we'd be naive to think that everything that you just said played no role in the way she's treated and the way that she's responded to. I saw a right-leaning politician tweet I'm not sure if she was a politician or a journalist that covers politics, but she tweeted that they should look into steroids for Shakira because of how long her hair and nails are. Oh. So talk about being racist and stupid at the same time because Shikari's hair and nails are both uh, costume, if you will. Lace front, wig, acrylic, fingernails. So, she doesn't have very long hair and very long fingernails naturally, but she must be on steroids. And here's why I think so. Um, she carries very, very Ramses in Q. And I don't just mean because we're black, I mean because I'm from Detroit and Ramses from Compton. And whatever your mind just thought when you heard me say that, that's She Richardson except she's faster than probably every other human on Earth that wasn't in that race with her in Eugene a week ago.
2: And is not going to dilute what she looks like for people who don't look like her or come from the same Absolutely place not. like her. She's willing to stand in her culture in the way that she wants to represent herself to the world, not the way that the Olympic governing body wants Sha'Carri, the fastest to woman, to run. To represent herself. And that's where I think things get really, really interesting. Mm. Because I don't think, I personally don't think Gabby. So mm. so also, she, it, it needs to be mentioned that Shakari was not disqualified from the entire Olympic Games. She was only disqualified from competing in the 100-meter race. She would have been allowed to compete in the relay race, which is where Olympians pass the torch and run that amount of distance, right? The baton. The baton. So, the Olympic uh, governing body or whoever, I don't know who... U.S. ATF. U.S. ATF, the U.S. Uh, Olympic track and field, um, decided not to take Shakiri with them, even though she's the fastest um, and would guarantee or at least help solidify a win for the country. Because, why? She would be eligible to race, but they didn't take her. The question is why.
1: So... I guess my question to the both of you then is um, because you follow sports a little bit more closely than probably the average person, but certainly more than me. Um, do you find that these types of things happen with non-black athletes, where they're scrutinized because of how long their fingernails are? Or, you know, I, re- I read a, I did read an article recently, and it was about. Um, some folks wanting to test the testosterone levels of some women who are sprinters or something because they were doing so well um, they wanted to, to test their hormones and see if they could disqualify them. I, have you heard of this happening with non-black folks? Does it happen frequently? Is it a part of a, a competitive culture to tear each other down or is this something that happens more with black athletes? This black is
0: something athletes? that happens more with black
1: women women that's what I was thinking than about. with
0: anyone else mm-hmm. Right okay. there, there, there's been dialogue in the in the sports world, in the journalism world, about uh, our transgender brothers and sisters okay. competing, uh, especially you know those born male competing against female athletes and doing very well. There is pushback against there being a limit. There is pushback against there being something that says, "Hey, if you're born a male." In competition where it's who's the strongest and who's the fastest and who can jump the highest, that you probably shouldn't be allowed to compete against women. Okay. Right? The difference is it's very hard to push back against groups that have men in them, especially groups that have white men in them. And our transgender brothers and sisters have white men in that group, so the pushback isn't as strong women in sports and sports media specifically they have an incredibly difficult fight from sports agents to sports reporters to athletes themselves there are men in this world that think by nature of being born a man they're smarter and more qualified to do the work full stop when you take that minority group smaller and you make it black women there's an there's an enhanced level of scrutiny you know where there's conversation to be had about whether a transgender woman can compete against women born female mm-hmm. that's a conversation but Shakari you can't compete period cuz you smoked weed that's not a conversation we don't care if it's not fair we don't care if the entire world has changed since these rules were made when these rules were written recreational use of marijuana In 14 states I believe already Was not the case Especially in the state she was tested in So there are some Obvious differences that I see I'm sure Trista you probably see on a a whole Another level
2: I would say that black female athletes um, Are scrutinized In terms of The competitive advantage That they may or may not be getting From something that's not natural I would say that Black female athletes, especially ones like Shakari. Shikari is cut up. She is a a physical specimen. And if you see someone like Shakari and you don't <laughs> and you don't have a point of view, um, that's broad and you haven't been around people of all different shapes, sizes, colors, and backgrounds, you might see Shakari and think, She's juiced up. You know, white women athletes don't get that cut. You know, I don't see other track athletes that look like me that are as fast or as strong or can jump as high yeah. or has as much bounce so what is it about Shakari is is she doing more than just smoking weed
1: um I'm glad you mentioned that cuz I, I remember reading something a while ago you know there's there's been a an, a long and interesting relationship with black people in the United States in sport sport mm-hmm. where for a long time, white boxers didn't want to fight black boxers because it was beneath them. Um, but the truth is, is that black boxers—it it would be a soul-crushing defeat if you lost to a black boxer. Um, and uh, you know, what, what is his, What is the guy's name? Um, who said that uh, black people are stronger and bigger because the biggest slaves were bred, um, uh, were made to procreate? What's the guy's name? Um, Jimmy the Greek. You know that. name? I'm sure he wasn't Before. singular in that sentiment, but the, you know those sorts of things. But anyway, there's this there's this obsession with black people in sports, and you know we see it in a lot of a lot of the more popular sports, football, basketball, perhaps perhaps a overrepresentation of black folks and an underrepresentation of white. Our, White folks, relative to the population in this mm-hmm. country, um, and I think that subconsciously you kind of maybe develop a an idea that black people are physically superior, maybe. Um, or I would some say that's a bi-
2: I would say that that's a bias that um, a lot of people share. I would say that's a bias based around. Not really like having enough scientific, like scientific knowledge about biology and, and genetics and, like and, and how athletic and like, how muscle fibers develop and how speed develops, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well the, the thing I was going was going to suggest is that the only piece of um, evidence information research that I've ever come across in all my time had to do with the long distance sprinters from Africa they're like from ethiopia or something there's like one country where nigeria maybe that's it and these people can just mob for days right no problem right and it's part like bone structure and you know the fact that they don't really carry a lot of weight on their body physically they're just not really bulky folks um and then uh it, it has to do with their breathing and the climate that they're from. They're, they're able to breathe a certain way and get a lot more oxygen to their bones and their or sorry, their, their blood is oxygenated at, at a different level because of they're accustomed to breathing in a certain climate. And, it, and those factors lend themselves to them being able to run longer distances. Um, in any case, uh, you know, I, it, and one more thing. Before we get off this subject, what would you say... What would both of you say? If I were to play devil's advocate and say, well, if she knew the rules and she decided that she needed to self-medicate in that way, then, you know, the the hammer falls where it falls. And that's the end of the story. What do you say to someone? Because I know there's people listening who do not appreciate the context and the nuance. What do you say to people that are saying, Hey man, she knew it and she decided against it.
0: I'll piggyback off of something that Trista said and then pass it to her quite figuratively and literally. Had she gotten drunk instead, mm-hmm. she'd have probably been probably been in a much worse state. To run but it would have been completely legal. Got it. So sometimes there are rules that are the rules, but they're nonsensical. They're not they're not fair, and they don't make any sense.
2: I mean, there were rules that people of color couldn't share the same water f- fountain as people that look like me, and the rules are the rules, but sometimes the rules are inherently unfair and inherently biased against people of color.
1: Well, that works for me, um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's it been written, so this is this is now our reality. And now... Proper propaganda. Watch it. Pull my mic back. You're like that journalist. we journalists
0: too. We can strike back. All over borders, with orders from headquarters behind enemy lines. in the borders. you just tuning in the Civic Cipher, i host Rams is Ramses Jha. They call me Q Ward. It's
1: indeed, and uh, we have special guests with us today on the show. She is by name, Tristin Cook from Books. Um and we're talking about a lot, a lot about the Olympics and uh, the treatment of black athletes, and really the culture that we're seeing at, at the Olympics this time around, and how it's, I believe, really failed to really encapsulate the new world that we're living in post-2020, um, but uh, also we're going to uh, talk about someone named Rachel Nichols uh, in just a few minutes, and of course, The Way Black History faculty DJ Swirl, we're going to be talking about Fred Hampton, but first... Uh let's talk about becoming a better ally. Um so as you know, there's a lot of voter suppression um initiatives that are being voted into law, they're being you know, brought to, to vote, um, or at various stages in the uh legislative process. Um we know them to be voter suppression, but they're kind of floated to the public as voter protection. <laughs> we know that basically their intent is to subdue, and artificially subdue um, and minimize the black vote, the brown vote, the, dem- the, um, the uh, democratic vote, and so forth. Um, and these things all overwhelmingly will favor Republican outcomes. And uh for a lot of us we don't feel like there's much we can do because a lot of the elected representatives that really are into the, you know, political arena, they know the laws better than we do, and they know how to play the game better than we do. But there are folks who are fighting to um bring a little bit more balance to this um this part of the story. And one such group is one you might have heard of, the NAACP. And uh, they have an initiative where they're doing some fundraising um, but basically they want to defend communities of color against voter suppression initiatives um and they're hoping to close a donation gap and so if you feel so inclined and you want to know how to become a better ally do me a favor hit the NAACP's website make a donation we all need to have a voice we all need to have a seat in the table we're, we're all in this together and you know if you have the fiscal resources Or if the time to contact your local representative official, you know, or both, um, I believe that that is one way that you can become a better ally and hopefully you take advantage of that. So that is our Baba section for this week. Um, So yeah, moving on. Rachel Nichols. So here's what I know about her. She's a host at ESPN. She talks about the NBA and she was wilding out. All right. So, Tristan, talk to me about (laughs) Rachel Nichols.
2: So, Rachel Nichols uh, has been a journalist covering the NBA for a long time, I would say. Mm -hmm. 20-plus years. Um, Probably the queen of the NBA, I would say. Very uh, close ties with LeBron James. Um, And I'd say that the story really started back when another host that you've probably never heard of called Michelle Beadle left ESPN unceremoniously due to some issues with their contract and when she left rachel nichols had to um, step in and host a show called nba countdown but espn made the decision that her and this other uh, young woman maria taylor who's a rising star a woman of color at espn her and rachel would share the responsibilities for that show meaning on one day rachel would host the next day maria would host so then when the bubble, NBA bubble, happened, they went down to Walt Disney World and Rachel Nichols was quarantining in her hotel room. Her laptop was open um, for her remote studio show on ESPN. She found out from ESPN's producers, hey, Rachel, uh, why, uh, why don't you do us um, the favor and do uh, the sideline reporting job and, instead of the hosting job? Um, for the responsibilities of this show, NBA Countdown, for the NBA Finals. Okay. Because ESPN wanted Maria Taylor to, f- to basically take over uh, that hosting role full-time.
1: So hosting is better than sidelines?
2: Correct. Okay. Right. I would on. say sideline reporting is probably the lowest level job. I mean, it's a great job. It's at the highest stage of the NBA Finals. But it's a lower job than hosting a show.
1: Okay. All right. Go ahead.
2: Rachel Nichols was not happy about that and mm-hmm. felt that the only reason uh, that Maria Taylor got the job or got to take over the job full-time is because of everything that was going on with the country at that moment. The, the George Floyd protests, that Kenosha, and really the moment that we were in mm-hmm. um, was the reason for Maria getting that job and, and taking that job from, from Rachel. And then got caught uh, on a hot mic Talking to LeBron James's consultant about really the disappointment that she had in at ESPN. Okay, would you so say that that's fair. I mean, Q.
0: That's fair. I wanna I wanna pretend I don't know this. Mm-hmm. It had to be her or her. There's only room for one woman on the show. Yep. Okay, I just wanted to be clear about that because I heard you say that they kind of presented it where they would share the roles, but yep,
2: share the role meaning Monday, like Rachel, alternate. Yes, alternate. Oh, They're wow. never on the desk at the same time. They share it, but Monday is Rachel, Tuesday is Maria. They're never at the desk simultaneously. Okay, so
1: let me, let me read this quote. It says, this is from Rachel Nichols. It says, I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you're feeling pressure about your long-time record on diversity, go Crappy for it. Crappy long-time record. <laughs> Crappy long-time, sorry. Uh, go for it. Just find it somewhere else so
2: don't take it from me
1: right so what was the outcome of this statement what, Ram, what, what has happened now? did she really say if you
0: need to find more things for her to do like oh, maybe, it sounded incredibly like dismissive. maybe have her go clean a closet or something like what is yeah. she talking about it sounded very dismissive but um what I'm
1: what I'm trying to do you're
0: is you're like,
2: like what's the upshot of this what happens after that Yeah, what, this? What,
1: so so these two women don't like each other
2: So I think at this point um, Rachel is incredibly territorial of the gig Okay? And I would say that pretty much any woman is going to be territorial of that gig cuz that's the king gig. Mm-hmm. NBA countdown is the the stuff, excuse me. Um so at the end of the day, what ends up happening is that someone catches it at okay. ESPN, um, a low-level social producer um, who is a black woman at ESPN, forwards that footage to Maria Taylor, and they go to HR. Okay. That social media manager gets demoted, uh, gets suspended without pay, and ends up leaving ESPN. This, happens that, this happened a year ago. We're just finding out about the full story now. hmm and nothing happens to Rachel Nichols, um, but Maria Taylor does get the hosting job for NBA Countdown. Okay. Maria Taylor obviously finds out about this. Mm-hmm. She's in the middle of a contract uh, negotiation with ESPN where she wants $8 million a year. ESPN offers her five. She finds out about this footage. She declines, punts it, waits, waits for the ne- negotiation, waits for the contract to be up, which is in three weeks from now. mm mm-hmm. And essentially won't do any work with Rachel at all. Nothing is going to be done. Where normally you would talk to the sideline reporter mm-hmm. at the desk. She's making everything happen sort of in different spots. Okay. Now they're in basically um, a standoff.
1: So, um, there's a couple of things here. One of them, of course, is Women. Far be it for me to be to call myself an expert on anything having to do with women, but I do recognize that the sisters that I share this planet with have a tougher go in a professional world than the brothers that I share this planet with. Um, and so for two women to become competitive over a job that's so special and very difficult to come by um, is a sad reality that very happens in more industries than just this one the reason that this is on our desk today is because rachel nichols is white and maria is black and now we have to have that conversation how much more difficult is it when you're black to compete on that level um Does 2020 create opportunities for black voices? Are they deserved? Are they earned? You know, because I was told this lady, Rachel Nichols, was 20 years in the game um, and that Maria Taylor is the rising star. So how do those things affect what we're seeing? And then, of course, at the end of the day is Rachel Nichols' response to... The goings on at ESPN, appropriate, is it? Does it account for the fact that um, the world is a much different place for Maria Taylor than it is, perhaps for her, even though it's difficult for her as well? And is that where do you draw the line in terms of like personal responsibility and kindness and, and? Making sure that you stand in solidarity with your black and brown brothers and sisters.
0: I want to offer some insight or opinion, and then I want to lean on, we've said this <laughs> before today already, mm-hmm. our expert. She is a woman, and she is a professional journalist in the sports arena. Indeed. Um, we, and I say we as men, have created this zero-sum environment that our women have to work in. Mm-hmm. Where we create this singular job, there's eight men who do the show. They're all great, but there's a bunch of them. Sure. There's one woman that can do this. That's problem one. Problem two is the idea that this was some type of affirmative action hire because the person in question is really, really good at her job. She's exceptional. This woman votes for the Heisman Trophy. And the NBA MVP. That is not true for a bunch of men. In the sports world. So there was a way. And Trist I definitely want to get your opinion on this. I feel there was a way that she could express her frustration. About the position that she's in. Because I think any of us. When you're in a position for a job. For a promotion. For an opportunity. And you get passed on for someone else. That kind of animosity I think is innate. But I think. And and. Please tell me how you feel that there was a way to express that without having to push down the person that you're, quote unquote, competing with for that spot. There's a way to acknowledge that she's gifted, that she's talented and that she's deserving and express your frustration with a system that's not set
1: up to be fair or favorable for women in the industry. Before you respond, I want to make sure that we're following your response. So let me set this up a little bit. Essentially what she said in this quote is that Maria Taylor is the diversity hire. Yes. And if you're looking to give this new diversity hire something, don't take it off my plate. Correct. Right? Um, and it's in, that, in, the, in the midst of this language, maybe language is too hard, of word, but in the midst of this energy that we take issue, um, and of course it becomes a national story and then I'm sure there's lots of black women who look at these things like this and like well how am I supposed to compete this is the sort of thing that happens in my life you know um, where is my place how good do I have to be to be good enough um, and so I want to make sure that we're all on the same page when we get your thoughts on this Tristan so.
2: yeah I think what Q said sort of highlights how I feel too which is There are ways that people speak, and I'm sure you guys are way more in tune with it than me, um, that the words that we use, what we say, how we say it, tells you sort of how we feel, even if you didn't exactly say the quiet part out loud. I don't think Rachel said the quiet part out loud, I don't even know if she feels the quiet part out loud, which is that I don't even really know what it is, right? That Rachel is more deserving than Maria for a variety of different reasons. But when you say if you need to give her something else to do or more things to do, that essentially shows me that she feels... I don't know how to put it a certain way about the hire a certain way about Maria and doesn't quite feel compassionate to the cause which is that Maria has had to overcome more than Rachel in order to get to where Maria is and that a lack of understanding that Maria throughout the course of her career as she rises and ascends is going to be constantly looked at like do you deserve this why are you here are you here only because of X, Y, and Z, or are you here because you're excellent and you happen to also be a woman of color who also played D1 basketball, which Rachel Nichol- Nichols did not? Rachel Nichols, as it turns out, her mother-in-law is Diane Sawyer, a very prominent journalist. So Rachel Nichols has, of course, worked hard, but has also been a beneficiary of nepotism and a beneficiary of the way that the system can work in journalism, right? So I think for me once you say stuff like that, once you say if you need her, give her things to do, you didn't really say anything out of pocket, but I know exactly how you feel. Right.
1: There's there's a way of Well, first off, let me say this. You know, this show exists because Q and I recognize that we could ask a little bit more from folks that purport themselves to be our allies, um, not the least of which is the radio stations that you might be hearing our voice on. Um, these folks play black music. They uh, use black culture, language, dress, et cetera, to make money, mm. to, to appeal to a listenership so that they can sell advertisements. Mm-hmm. You know. And while these airwaves are certainly a celebration of black music, black culture... Um, Don't get it twisted, it's for
2: money. Sure,
1: th- that, that part. But also, black culture is not just mm-hmm. singing and dancing and rapping. Black mm-hmm. culture is what we're doing right now. Because we're not just singers and dancers. We're thinkers. We're emotional human beings. We feel, we process things. We are we, leaders. We're orators. We're, you, you name it, right? And so, um, it's those allies that have made a space for this show um that we use and we sit with and we we build a better tomorrow tomorrow with the allies allies. and i would guess that this woman rachel nichols once upon a time counted herself among those allies Mm -hmm. and so this language shows just how subtle Mm. White supremacy can be yes because it's, it's such a subtle, subtle thing, thing but, but once, once you see it written down in black and white, white you can see well clearly I feel like I'm better than her and and, 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 and maybe not, not in as many, many words, words but because, because could you could argue, argue that, that you know, know she's, she's just saying, saying this because a woman because Marie is younger. younger you could argue a bunch of things but it's hard to stop I'd imagine as a white person say okay. I have to be, be very, very careful. careful. What, what is, is really going, going on here? And why, why am I, I taking issue with it? And that, and that pause is very difficult because there's nowhere else in, and I'm sure, a white, white life where you need to pause for really anything. They, they gave us some additional context, context talk though. Talk to me. Because, because the, the conversation, conversation continues. continues. I can't, I can't think, think of the, the gentleman's name. She's Adam Mendelssohn But he, he represents some best interest of LeBron James and
0: Clutch Sports.
2: Also was a part of the More Than a Vote campaign. was a very,
0: very important
3: person with, with the, the More Than, than a vote, vote campaign last year, last year, and
0: her, this gentleman and Rachel, and Rachel expressed their, would you, you say, say exhaustion? He said, with
2: all of the Me Too and the, the Black Lives Matter, Matter man, man, I'm just exhausted. Mm. And she laughed uproariously okay. about that.
0: So imagine a woman being exhausted with the whole Me Too thing. Sure, sure. And uh, a gentleman who presents himself to the world as super ally, being exhausted with this whole Black Lives Matter thing.
1: Imagine how we feel. I used to be happy. And
0: then she laughs (laughs)
1: heartily. Yeah, she did. So, um...
2: I I do want to say something that I think is important. Is I think that, um... Anyone who has... Because it's not like there's an open opportunity and they decided to go with Maria. It's uh, an opportunity that they shared that they took from Rachel and gave full-time to Maria. I think if that was me, I would be salty. I would be very salty. I would be very upset. And I think it also is accurate to say that the culture and company of ESPN operates on the whims of the public. They fired Jamel Hill and they fired Michael Smith because Trump voters did not want any racial or activism to be discussed on the airwaves. Then the world changed after George Floyd. And then it was okay. And one of Maria's accomplishments and accolades was her coverage of the George Floyd protests and everything that was going on around the nation. So it is also fair to say that if ESPN fires people because of the nation's sentiment, they will also hire someone because of the nation's sentiment. And it is fair to say that they've been Wrong towards people of color based around the nation's sentiment. And now they've changed their opinion based around how things have changed. And that Maria might have gotten that job and that role because of the nation's sentiment. And that's true. But also, the NBA is 90% black. And like you said, enjoys profits from black culture. So it also makes sense to have the host of NBA Countdown be a woman of color to represent the people that she covers. And it would be fair for them to say that out loud too.
1: So let me offer this. I appreciate you saying that because I think that it's important to add this. I try to do it in every show, but I don't always hit it. I recognize as one of two people who has a voice on this show, and I'll say it as often as I can and as often as Q will let me, that we need to start and end every conversation with forgiveness as a possibility. Um, that's the only way that we get there. Revenge isn't what what we're talking about on this show. None of, none of the things like that. We need to have the conversations, and we need to make sure that there is at least the potential for forgiveness. Otherwise, we're just going to frustrate each other more and more. This woman, Rachel Nichols, I'm sure has spent a good amount of her life around black people, around black culture. Is it, It's very much a part of her day-to-day. I have no idea who this woman is, but I can imagine what it's like to be her. Right? Has
2: elevated and hired many black men Thank you for on the panel.
1: Exactly. But in in those human moments that happen to humans, when you, your frustration gets the best of you, and you succumb to your lowest the lowest, most basic version of yourself. You might say some dumb stuff and that doesn't make it okay. Never make it okay. Not around here. But I do recognize that you take your punishment and that we talk about what forgiveness looks like. And the same thing with, you know, the Olympic people because they might be wild and I don't know who the Olympic people are. They might be tripping. You know what I mean? But I, I, it, anger and beef and hatred is too heavy to carry for Ramses I'm only speak for me right now but this radio program or podcast or however you're listening to it this isn't going to be a place where we make sure that we leave a little bit of space for forgiveness at the center of the narrative um, as often as we can and so I'm glad we got to talk about Rachel Nichols and I'm glad that we got to kind of dive into you know what it must like to be like to to work in a competitive environment when you are born with a strike against you or maybe more um like in the case of uh maria taylor but now that we've had a chance to kind of discuss all that i think that we're left to just kind of see how the story plays out i suppose
0: yeah and i'm hoping that like you said there's space for forgiveness and my only reaction was not anger and vitriol I just wish that her anger would have been more pointed at the system and the company And not the person Than the person Because yeah. it's not Maria's fault Well She didn't do
1: something to you actively We're gonna learn All of us, we're in it together We're gonna learn And we're gonna be sensitive to each other's You know, I can't expect white folks to be sensitive to black issues If we're not sensitive to the fact that white folks might be getting overwhelmed by a lot of stuff You know what I mean? And I get that mm-hmm. so We're just gonna take baby steps until we get to where we're going With that said I think it's time for us to check in with DJ Swearer, Swearer what's going on with you?
2: What more could I say, I wouldn't be here today, if the old school didn't pave the way What more could I say, I wouldn't be here today, if the old school didn't pave the
3: way Alright today's way Black History Fact My oh, man Detailing Fred Hampton, who's the Deputy, Deputy Chairman of the Illinois Chapter of the Black Panther Party he joined his local branch of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or the NAACP, where he reached the position of Youth Council President. Okay. Hampton mobilized a racially integrated group of 500 young people who successfully lobbied city officials to create better academic services and recreational facilities for African-American children. That's right. In 1968, Hampton joined the Black Panther Party and used his NAACP experience to form a rainbow coalition which included students of a democratic society, the Blackstone Rangers, a street gang, and the National Young Lords, a Puerto Rican organization. Hampton was also successful in negotiating a gang truce on local television. Hampton was most most recently highlighted in the 2021 film Judas and the Black Messiah by Daniel Kaluuya, where he won the Academy Award, the Golden Globe, the Critics' Choice, and the Screen Actors Guild Awards for his portrayal of Hampton. Whew. All right, so the chairman—I like this guy. In his
1: in his short life, he managed to uh, matter a lot and and expose a lot of ugliness that existed in this country at that time, and really, his unfortunately his death um, allowed black activists and civil rights leaders to see really what we were up against we're going up against the actual government at the highest level
2: Mm.
1: this isn't some folks across the street or across town this is the actual government the united states of america versus you me the individual trying to make a world a better place for myself my family and my children and um one of the uh one of the things that I learned from that, um, to, to, to an extent is that, um, you know, Fred Hampton's death and, and the folks behind Fred Hampton's death, um, led to the current structure of the, uh, of Black Lives Matter. Um, if you, if I say Black Lives Matter, you think of a group of people and that's exactly what it is. You know, obviously there's leadership, there's folks who have responsibilities and so forth, but you don't know who they are. And that's so that the government can't cut the head off of the snake again because that's kind of of what they were trying to do with all the civil rights leaders back then
2: you don't think de is the head of the snake
1: um i think that the movement would still continue
2: without him yeah
1: exactly so not in the same way not celebrated to the same degree that a fred hampton and mlk and malcolm and and, and that's not meaning he's he's not not as influential yeah Yeah. it just means the movement
2: won't stop the structure of the the death
1: yeah the structure of the you know everything is kind of a little different but that's something that i know to be true now um fred hampton um you know like you said swirl um, he's out on the streets with gds in chicago um getting people to pay attention to what's going on in their communities on a level that perhaps prior to his involvement, they weren't even in tune with, you know, they're fighting amongst each other, and he comes in and turns everyone on, like, yo, there's a system that's got you fighting against each other, that's not your enemy, there's a reason that you're in this environment, warring over nothing, you know, and then he rallies all these people, and the Rainbow Coalition that you mentioned, Swirl, is a bunch of different people, Brings them all together in solidarity. They, native people, Asian people, black people, of course, you know, women, you know, you Latin name, and Hispanic, you name it, you name it, everybody, you got to sit at this table because we all need representation, we need fair treatment, we need um, access to the political arena, you know, we need, you know, um, fairness and, and, uh, in the criminal justice system and so forth and so on, right, and he starts making noise, of course, he's a panther, you know, say what you will, but we're fans of the panthers around here, um, what they stood for, and if you disagree with what the panthers store for, I implore you to actually do your research because it was a good organization, just has some heavy-handed tactics, but were entirely necessary if you really know the story, um, so, panther and uh was very young and very promising a great speaker great motivator um ends up getting on you know they they created COINTELPRO um the FBI did and you know J. Edgar Hoover just really didn't like this dude and so you know they what they did was they hired like a snitch or an informant to like go in and infiltrate the organization right and um goes in and starts reporting back information to the FBI. The FBI gives that information to local police. One day police kick in the door, shoot up uh, Hampton's apartment. Um, and uh, to this day I haven't seen his dead body, um, but there's photos of it because they took pictures with it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't look at those pictures. Um, and then of course these police were celebrated as heroes because how how they villainize them is you know the FBI they they pr- printed pamphlets of misinformation that says like you know um, the Black Panthers are out to kill white people and this is their this is how they go about killing people and they you know and they and they printed they printed it making it seem like the Panthers printed it you know what I'm saying so the Panthers were it seemed like you get a Panther pamphlet from the Panthers that says this is what you're supposed to do but really the FBI was behind that basically just villainized this dude and um, cast him in a real bad light ran and got him over some trumped up charges it didn't really matter and then just executed him and they were um, celebrated as heroes and of course the truth came out much later that you know this was all a government operation because they wanted to get this guy off the street because they didn't want black people taken to the streets creating change that would cause these white folks at the time to be less comfortable than they were. And so I'm very happy that we got a chance to talk about Fred Hampton because his name deserves to live on. He's a good man. I, I feel like you got to say some Cu so get that off. Just imagine
0: there being real fear about a relationship like this one and for people who can't see me, I'm pointing at Trista who I've been friends with for 15 years about. The idea that this friendship shouldn't exist People who are violently afraid of that And went out their way To stop it from happening Because it was more about growth We, we learn more together And about each other You know We, we have more in common than, than what divides us And what we war and fight over And there's people who make it their business To make sure that these bridges aren't built And that's I've never understood it And
1: probably never will But I think that's going to do it for us today So we will Uh Leave it there. Tristan, um, you're the greatest of all time.
2: Thank you for having me on. Yes,
1: indeed. And, and uh, once again, thank you for tuning in to Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses Ja.
0: They call me Quentin Ward sometimes, mm-hmm. not as often, because people don't like to say Quentin. So mm-hmm. they just
1: say Q. Yes, indeed. Uh, congratulations, Q. The sons are killing it. For those who don't know, Q Ward is the uh, the sun's uh, official DJ. And so um, a,
2: lot, a lot of positive that. stuff. Cool. Be sure to hit the website, CivicCipher.com. Send this topic.